you've come to the right place. If you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program, I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Stephen Ladek. He's from LMSPulse.com and he's got the eLearning Success Summit 2021 coming up real soon in April. Check that out. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been wonderful to be here. Who is the main kind of avatar or person that you design this summit around? That's a great question. I, um, you know, if you had told, asked me that a year ago, I would have had a different answer. But, you know, uh, the first summit that we had in April, we had about 6,000 people show up. Everybody who went through that, you know, we gave them a feedback form. So we really had a great sense of who showed up to the summit. Um, and then in just, you know, uh, in late 2021, we also did a pretty intense survey with our community to say, look, what do you want for the next summit? Uh, and so the answer is about 50% of the people who show up for the summit and people who read LMS Pulse on a, on a you know, sort of weekly basis are teachers, they're instructors. And these are mostly higher education professionals, but we're, we really have a growing K through 12 base. And we also have quite a few learning development professionals as well in the corporate space, because that's a, you know, as you've seen through COVID over the last year and whatnot, it's remote work, remote learning. It's going to be a time, you know, it, it is, this is, this is our, this is the new normal, right? So about half of that's about half of our audience. We've got about another quarter of our audience are decision makers. These are people who run a business or run a university or whatever. And they're like, how do I support or develop, you know, technical learning or, or remote learning for my, you know, my universe there. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that last quarter are instructional designers. People are sitting in server rooms, um, you know, people who are actually building on the back end. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of a smattering of the rest of the e-learning universe. That's who's, that's who comes to us. That's awesome. Um, you've kind of touched on it already, but I want to like pretend you're an archeologist or an anthropologist and somebody is like coming into the e-learning industry and you're giving them a high level like view and tour of all these different parts of it. I just noticed that when people come into e-learning, it, they get pretty exhausted by the overwhelming amount of like tools and categories and these different components that comprise this giant e-learning industry. And maybe you know a statistic about how big it is now and how big it's projected to be. But um, I just know people, if they're new and they're just like looking at the industry, what what is the, like, if you're giving a tour of this, this industry over here, how do you map it out? And, the, and one more thing to frame it in, like for our tool, people come in, we've got like somebody who's at home with a dream. They love dogs. They want to make a dog training course. I've got academic departments at universities contacting me. I've got businesses who are trying to train their employees contacting me. Like these, it's, there's so many different types of e-learning. It's like a little bit uh, big. And if for the people that are trying to build careers here, like let's say a WordPress professional who wants to like focus on this growing rapidly industry, how do they make sense of the e-learning industry? You know, I'm, I don't know if this is going to be a, a, the answer that you expected. I hope it's not a curveball, but they, the real answer is, is you should take the E out. First, okay. Right. This, this is learning. How do we do learning? Right. 
And when you look at this, people become overwhelmed because they look and it's just like if you were to develop a website or develop a business or, or any other uh, any other venture that you want to do as an individual or as a department leader or as a, an administrator, the first thing that you want to ask yourself is, what's my goal, right? What do I actually want to accomplish here? So if I'm if I'm a professor running a class, you say, look, how am I going to you know get to that outcome? Well, I guess I should have turned off that it's, phone. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, that's what happens in offices, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, if you're a professor, you you say, look, if I'm going to, I want to get, what's, what's the learning outcome that I want to achieve, right? Do I want to teach you about biology? Do I want to teach you about computer science? Do I want to teach you, you know, what's that kernel knowledge? If I'm a business person who want, like you said, some, a lot of your people are stay at home. I, I, I've got a book that I want to teach people about, or I've got a new, I want to start this new career. Like what's the actual outcome goal? Do you want to become a coach? And then if you look at the uh, organizational level, the learning department level, or um, the university level. It's like, so how do I support my learners and my teachers, right? So when you take that E out of there, you start to really get some very clear answers that technology and the E part is just the enabler, right? At the end of the day, if you, it, it's, it's, you know, this goes way back to the sixties, garbage in, garbage out. If you put, you know, crap on the screen, or if you have something that's you know terrible to use, then you're going to lose students. They're not going to sign up. You know, you're not going to have any engagement, whatever. But if you create an experience that is easy, frictionless, and that they enjoy doing, you're going to have. You know, they're actually going to have a much better chance of achieving their learning outcomes, and then telling their friends about it and growing, which, which whatever your goal is. So when I look at the when I you know the architecture of what's out there in e-learning, you, you wanted to know how big it is. I mean, this is billions of dollars a year, right? So this, you know, it, we've, especially over the, over 2020 with COVID and everything like that. I mean, we just saw a massive leap in what the e-learning industry looks like, right? Before 2020, it was like about $4 billion, but now it's miles above that simply because uh, large universities, corporates have had to make major investments quickly and then, uh, you know, that was a big spend. But now they're all kind of turning around and going back and saying, look, how do we create this sustainable? Because this is now the new normal. Um, so when, when I look at it, 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 no matter who you are coming into this industry, what you want to say to yourself is, what's my goal? And then what's going to achieve that? Like Lifter LMS, this is great for, you know, uh, someone who is either an individual or a small team. I know that you said you've also got big organizations that use it as well, but it's like, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. I'm somebody who wants to get it up and running quickly and, you know, but still have sort of a base of support that is going to be able to lift me up. And then, you know, uh, there are other needs and other organizations out there on the other end of the spectrum for the, for the Moodles, the D2Ls, the Blackboards, the Open LMS, you know, the, the, the Sakai's of the world where, all right, I have a campus of 100,000 students and I'm going to have to have a system that connects to a learning to a to a student record system, connects to grading, you know, like all of these more complex offer offers. Um, and you know, what do I do to what do I do to set that up quickly and then and roll that out? Um, so I can see how you can be overwhelmed, but again, dial it all the way back to what's my goal, and I you know, sorry, my what's my learning goal and my learning outcome, and then let the technology enable you to achieve that. That's awesome. And I, I often use a like a story to help people with a similar answer, which is that um, learning is what makes us human and it's everywhere. It's from like a baby copying another an adult's face to like 
an older person like mentoring and passing along a life's work worth of work and everything in between. It's what it's literally what well, makes it's funny this- too. And not only that, but it's, it's really, what I find funny is that we have all these conversations and everybody immediately thinks of like the college student going to school, you know, doing the remote yeah. learning or, or like me, I got three kids. They're all doing online learning, you know, right now. But if I'm in a business, let's just say I sell cars. I better, I've got to teach my sales force. I've got yeah. to keep them up to date on the latest trends, the latest things. Right? You know, so that's a learning moment, right? Post-customer support. It's a huge, like Jeff, this guy named Jeff from Motrain. I don't know if you've ever heard of Motrain, but um, you know, he's got one of these great gamification, you know, sort of backends where, uh, you know, one of his, his, his cre- you know, critical successes that I absolutely love is I buy a product, you know, then let's just say I buy a washer or dryer you know, to pick the most bland thing in the entire world, you know, the the companies that start working with Jeff is that, you know, he then, you know, his system comes out and says, Hey, look, show me that you set it up correctly. Show me that you know how to use it. Show me that you, you know, have, you know, you've completed your first laundry, you know, et cetera. And it gives you points and credits going forward. And that actually ends up taking you to a store where you can get swag, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just, he does this for customer support. He does it for sales teams. And then obviously for more traditional kind of pathways that you and I are thinking about. But learners are everywhere and we're all learning every single day. And, you know, no more so than right now in history, right? I love that. I love that. Yeah. And when you see like a YouTube video, like you're trying to fix something in your house and it has a million views, like there's just this learning intent is everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Not hey, just man, a- and all the YouTuber successes out there. I mean, again, my three kids, right? How many, how many, you know, Diamond Dan, you know, from, from Minecraft, <laughs> how many downloads of data does he get, you know? And he's just, my kids are just absorbing, right? That's learning. Boom. That's awesome. Well, I know engagement is one of your focuses and there's a couple I call them the dirty little secrets of the e-learning industry, which are um, like the the low completion rates that a lot of people talk about. I know there's been studies where it's somewhere around 10% or something like that. And uh, in our world and WordPress and whatnot, and this is a while ago, this is what we started our company on, is like this idea that you just need a membership site, you put up a paywall and you put learning content on the other side and that's it. I'm like, that's just the beginning. That's not it. There's um, the content has to be engaging. It has to be structured well. Um, it has to be like intelligently thought out. It needs to be focused on the learner, not you making lots of money or whatever. <laughs> like there's all these like nuances. <laughs> and we all, I think we all hear this as course creators or as learning designers or as IT professionals, but how do we design for engagement and how do we like you know, take that abstract term, like we sense what that means, but how do we actually do it in a learning environment? What are some principles and tactics? Sure. Uh, you know, just to give you a couple other, you know, let, let's put the reality on the stage right now. Uh, again, I, I, I keep, I'm, I keep using these guys as, as my examples, but my, my kids, right. Um, these were, these are people who are not necessarily designed for e-learning, uh, you know, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old being in front of a computer screen, for six to eight hours a day, uh, that that's not the ideal universe that we want them in right now, right? And so how do you keep them engaged, especially like a seven-year-old, right? Um, but it's funny because the same principles apply to the person who's in the corporate space or the, the student learner or whatnot. Um, uh, the short answer is you can't think of delivery over uh, a technological platform like this, like we're doing right now, you can't think of it in the same way as you can in a live setting. In a live setting, 
Um, again, there's a woman named Britt Andrietta. She was our top speaker at the first e-learning success. I'm happy to say that she's going to be our uh, one of our keynotes for the for the one in 2021 as well. Um, she's a brain science professor. She worked, you know, she was the head of uh, of Lynda.com. She was the no, sorry, not the head, but she was the chief learning officer there. That now became LinkedIn Learning. This is a woman who knows what she's talking about. She goes through the whole process of what does it take to actually keep our brains engaged and actually connect, right? And one of those is the human factor. So like when we're in a room together, we actually trade pheromones. We actually trade energy that they can detect, which keeps us engaged. You know, there's the social construct about, you know, people are watching me and these kinds of things. That doesn't happen online, right? So the 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 the, the point I'm trying to make is that how we engage through a uh, through an electronic platform like this is is fundamentally different. So the, the, the key number one uh, thing that we espouse or that we professed out there is that you got to stop doing Zoom sessions, right? And you got, well, basically you just got to stop delivering content over live Zoom sessions. Uh, and this is the difference you've probably heard a hundred times, the difference between asynchronous and synchronous learning, right? So synchronous learning means that we are, uh, you know, we are synchronized. That's what synchronous means. That means that you were in real time and that we're actually engaging and sharing content. Asynchronous means that you've delivered content to me as the instructor. I'm I'm downloading it. I'm digesting it. I'm, I'm preparing for that synchronous moment. And then I come to the classroom or the, the video conference moment with questions, with comments, with uh, delivery. And you actually use the delivery moment as a way to dive deeper, right? Uh, and And the um, the critical factor there is, is that we still we see it so much where you know teachers are delivering content over that live that live portion, and it's just you know your brain shuts off, you go away. It's easy to sort of fake your 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 um, your profile on Zoom and whatnot. That's where that's where we lose engagement. So asynchronous versus synchronous. The second biggest one that we know of right now, uh, it's not a discovery, but and people have been talking about it forever. But it's just the data is so clear is micro learning. Um, you know, to keep the the content, the learning goal, the, the what you're delivering uh, short, sweet, and punctual, right? And this is not only a symptom of the age of distraction that we're in right now, but it's just it's a it's really how we learn, right? You you get a little kernel of knowledge, you go and apply it, and then you you know you build on from that. So you get another little kernel of knowledge, you go and apply it. And so, uh, for example, if I'm thinking of a college course. Um, we're, you know, if, if you do it, if you think of it in the traditional sense, you come to a college course, you go, you go once a week, maybe twice a week over a semester. And you're in that, you know, you're in that seminar room for an hour and a half. And, you know, here's this huge lecture that, you know, you're taking notes and stuff. That professor, if you want to deliver it over e-learning now needs to break those 10 sessions that you have in the semester into 40, right. Or 50. And that just sounds like, you know, like a, you know, that just blows a lot of people in because they're like, oh my God, I've got to rethink everything. And the answer is yes, you have to rethink everything because that's how you create awesomeness. That's how you create engagement. That's how you create uh, great feedback. And you know, you're know you learning with your student as you go along. So if I were to give two critical pieces of advice to anybody who wants to build e-learning today, those are the two. Uh, make sure that you're doing asynchronous learning and then using synchronous learning for diving deeper, but then micro learning and you know anything that you think is a huge core of knowledge, break that down into 50 pieces and deliver it that way, because that's how you're going to get your learners to stay engaged. That is awesome. Um, you mentioned something about a chief learning officer, and it reminded me of how, like, I remember when just 
you know, learning business and whatnot, there was a moment where like the chief marketing officer, like marketing got a seat at the table, if you will. And I, I, uh, I keep running into companies that like, of course, something like uh, lynda.com or whatever, a learning company is going to have a chief learning officer, but almost every company like needs, there's a learning component for the product and the, or the service or, and even internal for the team members. Um, any thoughts on the development of that as an executive role that's more widespread? And just to share one example, I see I'm involved in a bunch of um, software kind of learning environments for software entrepreneurs, founders, if you will. And a lot of the, there's a lot in these software companies where we, they're, they're like, we need to expand and train our employees to reduce friction on customer support and how to use the product and how to activate and how to get the most value out of the product. So does, like, can you talk, can you riff a little bit on that chief learning officer opportunity within companies a little more? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, uh, the, the, what, you're, what you're, you know, hitting on right now is a key opportunity, I think, for the next 10 to 20 years, right? I think companies that already have a chief learning officer, it's probably the head of HR right now. It's probably, or the head of learning and development. There's usually a department of learning and development, especially in any company that's of any size, right? That, you know, if you've got a couple hundred staff, you're going to have to have obviously an HR department, but then you're going to have to have something where it's like, how do we make sure that people are in compliance with policies and also uh, growing, uh, you know, with the company and we, to use that sort of 80s term, a learning organization, right? Um, so that exists, but, you know, I, I, we're both talking from our industry, right? But this is, this is the opportunity, uh, you know, that that's going forward because how do I keep my employees engaged? Okay. You know, paying them a little bit more, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, giving them more benefits and whatnot. This is a critical benefit. You know, the workforce that exists today wants to know that they're doing something that they're passionate about, contributing to a better world and that they're growing internally, right? That they're growing themselves. And so if you look at those key pillars, this is a place, this is, you know, you absolutely have to provide this to the worker of today and the future, especially like my, again, my kids, I, am I going to say my kids on every answer? <laughs> Potentially. Uh, you know, if you think about them, you know, coming out of high school in, in 10 years and going in the workforce, they want to know that they're just, they're, they're, they're now tuned to a world where they can learn anything instantly online. And so they want to know that they're continuing to grow. So where do you find this person? I think the wrong answer is to look for them in the HR department. And, you know, to all of my colleagues out there who are in L&D and HR, I'm, this is not, you know, a strike against you, but I think you want to look for somebody who maybe is a little less traditional. I think you want to look for somebody who's entrepreneurial and someone who's probably a little younger. Uh, and, you know, uh, and I only say younger simply because maybe that's a younger mindset. Maybe that's a younger ethos or just energy, because this is what's going to resonate even with your older workers, even with the people who have been in your company for the last 20 years. It just brings that vitality and that vivaciousness and that optimism for what's possible in the future, because that's where learning starts, right? I want to solve a problem. I want to figure out how do I, not only I get better, but how do I contribute, right? Um, so that's one thing I would look for. I would look for that energy. So maybe it's not a young person, but maybe it's the young energy. I would then look for somebody who's not only tech savvy, but also um, can tie that tech savviness again to those learning goals that we want. Because uh, you think of any company in the world, 
they start with a certain idea and the inevitability is that you evolve into something over time, right? Uh, and that it is often not usually what you thought as the founders, what you thought the company was. Um, and that's where you find your learning goals are going to become super critical because you're going to get great ideas from your staff. You're going to get great ideas from your customers. You're going to get great ideas from the mistakes and the fails that you have. How do you learn from them? How do you get people to grow from there? Um, and then third, how do you build that into the ethos of the company so that uh, staff are rewarded for continual growth, right? Again, not going back to Jeff at Motrain, but there's other ways to say, look, uh, are, you know, are you continuing to build a new muscle or are you continuing to build the muscle that you already have so that you know, your sales are stronger or our support is stronger or maybe our product design is stronger or whatever it is? Um, you know, consciously rewarding that it doesn't have to be monetary uh, all the time. I think a lot of times, you know, vacation days or um, just a little bit of swag or even just recognition can be massively powerful uh, operators and levers. Uh, for you know, company owners or, or leadership to say, look, we really appreciate it. We want you to be a part of this, and we're going to continue to reward you for you know being this you know this player within this community. So I, I think you're right. I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, maybe not at the executive level, but definitely at the director level in any company. Somebody who's caring and feeding for this, uh, and they should have a seat at the table. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tech and get into open source. What what is your view of open source software for learning and and for those that are kind of new to the term can you can you just provide a little primer on what open source means and how it's different from a learning solution that might be um, more of in my language I would call it a walled garden SaaS which is sure. total full of techno babble but it, it means it's, <laughs> it's not open source proprietary there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So talk about the open source angle and and just to give people an idea, like WordPress, the software is open source. Um, There's a lot going on in like cryptocurrency that's open source. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a different approach. So tell us about open source and e-learning. Sure. Open source, again, just the ethos of open source is that, you know, anyone anywhere should be able to uh, enter into the business and enter into the, or, you know, have access to this technology enabler at, at no cost, right? Uh, at, at the at the end of the day, or at extremely low total cost of ownership. So the most famous open source software in the universe today is something called Moodle, M-O-O-D-L-E, um, which actually stands for like modular open source, you know, learning environment. Uh, you know, uh, it was it was invented by a guy named Martin Dugiamas about 15 years ago in, in Australia. And to give you a sense of where that is at right now, they have something like 300 million users, right? Wow. This is not a, this is not a small, you know, effort. Um, there's, there's literally millions and millions of Moodle sites. And it's also not something that, you know, uh, is, is small potatoes. This powers some of the biggest universities and powers some of the, the, the largest corporations in the world, you know? Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, what, that, what it is, is it's a very low cost of a total ownership. But that what that means is that the, the university or the business or the individual has to not only download it, but then install it and, you know, do it themselves. That's, you know, it's the classic WordPress example. So it, uh, what open source means on the other side is, so how does it continue to grow? Who can, you know, what's, what's the deal here? Um, usually it's like, as in the case of WordPress and Moodle, let's use both of these as the examples. There is the inventor, 
uh, and then there is a core group of people that have created a company that continue to contribute to the contribute to the open source uh, core software so that it grows and it you know continues to interact with the, with the universe well and all these kinds of things. Um, and they do that at not out of the goodness of their heart, but because there's, you know, the business comes back to them in another way, but ultimately they want to make sure that it's fresh and, uh, the latest and greatest, because that is how it stays, you know, relevant in the, in the universe. But again, anybody can then download it and use it. Um, at the same time, there's this giant community of developers who contribute to it, right? So, uh, again, what usually happens is that you have a core software that is the core functionality. In the case of Moodle, it's the core learning management system. But then you have thousands of developers and interested parties around it who create plugins or attachments or uh, APIs or you know connections to this in some way that extend the functionality. So is that a different grading book or is that a different theme or is that a different you know uh, design in, in, in the way that the actual technology not only functions, but the opportunities for functionality? Um, this is where I think most of your listeners right now will get overwhelmed right? It's yeah. like, holy smokes, do I have to do all of that? Right. The good news is, is no. The answer is no, right? Um, if you want to, you have the ability, like you or me, I, you know, any, anybody right now, they can go to moodle.org. They can go to, you know, many of these different open source. They can go to Lifter LMS right now and, down, you know, click download, boom, and you can take off and running if that's what you want to do. The good news is, is that there's an awful lot of service providers out there who are also creating very low cost or no cost solutions to get you up and running uh, and then maintain or manage it and whatnot. Again, I, I go back to that very first question you asked. It's like, what's your learning goal? Who do you want to be, right? I think for 99.9% .9 of people out there, they have a learning goal that they want to put out there. They have a business goal that they want to achieve. And the learning management system is really enabler of that. So if you already have a tech team, if you already have maybe a you know developer that you work with, if you're an individual or if you're already a big organization, let them build that and then you fun concentrate on the learning goal. But if you're in tech, sure, you know, why not? Why would you choose open source over a proprietary system? That's, you know, the big, you know, uh, the real big question. Why do you choose Microsoft over Linux? You know, why do you choose, you know, Microsoft Office over Google, you know, Google Sheets or, you know, Google, Google Office Suite? Um, at the end of the day, it ends up becoming, you know, what's the value proposition? You know, with, uh, for instance, so here's one of the, here's one of the great things. Uh, it's it's a, a great example. Moodle had a, a huge presence in North America, actually around the world for a very long time. Their competitors were Blackboard and D2L and Sakai. And then, you know, about uh, three or four years ago, eh, a little more than that, probably now, <laughs> I think I'm showing my age. Um, there's this new player on the block called Canvas, Right. Now, Canvas says that they're an open open technology, and they they you know they're based on an open software. But at the end of the day, they've done what uh, many successful companies have done. They've taken a core technology and they've made it a walled garden, right? But here's what you get when you get a walled garden: you get something that works all the time. You get you know when you have a product or support request, you get you know uh, you get a very clear path about okay, hey, look, there's a bug it's going to be fixed in exactly three weeks or it's going to be fixed in exactly two days. You know, customer support changes, um, you know, the, the design and the flavor of it is very clear so that you have, you know, if I go to a Canvas community, uh, you know, across the, the world, um, I'm going to know where to click. I'm, you know, it's going to look and taste and feel very, very similar. It's just like, you know, if I open up a Word doc on your computer or my computer or anyway, I know what that Word doc looks like. That's not to say that it can't be designed and changed and themed to whatever university. 
but Canvas ate everyone's lunch in the higher education business over the last three or four or five years, right? Um, they went public. They, you know, they became a private uh, organization. They've actually had a rebuy now. That's, but that's all politics. But the the point of the story is, is that what um, what many universities found was that the total cost of ownership of having an open source piece was much much greater because they had to continue to support it and develop it and figure it out and then rely on this community to to develop things and whatnot. Um, and so that that can be straining. Whereas if you have a nice slick solution come in like a Canvas. Many, many organizations chose to, to, to make the switch, and it was quite a sensational growth. Uh, I think it's still you know, quite sensational. It's, you know, it's kind of plateaued at this stage. So really, at the end of the day, it, 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 you, you look at what are the learning goals of your organization or your, 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 um, your institution yeah, or your, your business, and you, you ask yourself, you know, what is it that I, you know, how, how can I best support that? Do I have a large department that can, you know, really support me in this? Or am I a super, you know, technologically savvy and this is something I'm passionate about, I love, I want that to be a part of who I am. Those are all great choices to do open source. There's also other really fantastic choices. I mean, the open source community, just the people themselves. I mean, it, we haven't even gone down that rabbit hole, but just you're talking about millions of people who are going to support you, who are going to become your friends, who are going to meet up with you. You know, it's, it's a huge huge community. But then there's the proprietary solution where it's like, look, out of the box, I know it's going to work. I know it's going to work fast. I know that I'm going to get support relatively quickly. You know, and there's, there's those kind of considerations as well, but there's a higher cost of total ownership for it. That's awesome. I appreciate the breakdown there. Well, let's kind of end it out on the conference, the, the sure. summit. So uh, it's coming up e-learning mm -hmm. success summit 2021 in April. Uh, Give us the pitch. What, yeah, what's sure. it? <laughs> yeah, tell us how. <laughs> sure. So yeah, so the e-learning success summit. We're going to have it in April uh, of this year. Uh, I'm assuming when this airs. Uh, yeah. And like I said, so the first e-learning success summit was in April of 2020. Uh, we wanted to, you know, make a statement that e-learning was here to stay. Uh, we got really lucky. I don't know if luck is the right word, but the that COVID happened. You yeah. know, we, we timed it really, really well. We looked like geniuses for five minutes because we had already yeah. planned out this conference. Uh, the first conference, you know, like I said, when we talk about community, we had 6,000 people show up to the first conference. Uh, you know, we had 41 speakers, again, from the biggest LMS companies to, you know, instructional designers, K through 12, higher education, corporate learning, uh, everything from, you know, uh, what does e-learning mean? What does the tech look like to, uh, how do you design courses? How do you create engagement to, you know, what does the data science look like, right? How analytics, we haven't even touched on the power of e-learning, right? The power of, of being able to understand what every click does. That's another episode entirely. Um, but uh, so, so yeah, so we had some, some really great success uh, with that. So much so that we decided to do this again in April of this year. What we found again from that feedback from our learn from the people who came and from our community was student engagement. That's the place where we're all really, really struggling uh, in this new normal. Uh, this is going to be something that we're all going to deal with, not only in education, traditional education platforms, but in corporate environments and in our own lives. How do I stay engaged? So the conference is designed around what do I do as a person or as a teacher or as an instructor to create that engagement? That's that's day one. Uh, the second day is around design principles. So how do I design a course or how do I design a learning environment or how do I design, a, you know, an environment that is, you know, engaging. And then the third day is what are the tech, you know, what is the tech that enables that? 
Um, so those three, you know, that's that's how we break down the conference for three days. Um, we're going to use the same format that we did before. Anybody who's, who comes to eLearningSuccessSummit.com, you can get a ticket for free. Uh, we give this away because we have lots of sponsors that come, uh, you know, it's not, there's no pitching. There's no, this is not a corporate event or sorry, a sales event where you're going to come and it's like, Hey, buy our stuff. That's not, this is a super real value proposition in terms of the sessions. Um, uh, we're going to have several this year. We're going to have many, many live sessions. They're going to be small workshop type, uh, events where you can come in. It's going to be click by click, uh, you know, about how you can do things. Um, and then at the end of the day, what we do is we offer you the opportunity to go deeper. And you can do that by buying an all-access pass. Uh, the all-access pass, uh, you know, depending on when you buy it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in a very affordable uh, economic uh, piece for, you know, the individual or the, the corporate learner. But that gives you access to deeper information. It gives you access to discounts and, you know, special offers from vendors it gives you access to a private learning group uh, that we, we that we put together where you know there's constant sort of input uh, about tips techniques etc uh, and a host of whole other things so just to, to recap anybody can come sign up for free it's available you can attend every single session in the summit for free and then if you want to go deeper and and dive deeper with either the vendors or with other instructors or or you know with our community you have the access to, you know, you have the ability to buy that as well. Uh, April 20th through 22nd, 2021. I hope everybody comes. That's awesome. Steven Ladek from LMS Pulse and the eLearning Success Summit 2.0. It's happening. I'm going to go because I invest in my own education. And for you folks out there selling your training, or providing services to the market, this is a business expense to just invest in your own learning and education. I mean, a portion of our, uh, as a, at our company, we spend on making sure we stay sharp, we get to know our industry even better. So I highly recommend that because what I find is people are, you know, you may be good at the tech or you may be good at the instructional design and maybe you need to sharpen a different part of the e-learning stack and to give that away for free is amazing. So I'm going to do my best to help you get the word out to, to as many people. Cause that's a, that's a, there's a lot of curation that has gone into putting the speakers together. And I know you're putting a ton of work into it and everything. And uh, that's, and having it be like not a salesy event. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So Steven, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, for those of you listening, go to lmspulse.com or go to, and you'll see e-learning success summit there. What's the URL again for the event for its own website? elearningsuccesssummit.com. So those three words, elearningsuccesssummit.com, and it'll take you there. That's, it, it will be very, very clear about how to click in and register for free. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.